The Koigig Pod. On off the ball. When we first started the podcast, I was traumatized, and then things have gotten a little bit better since then. So, um, yeah, we'll go one more year with the peace. Subscribe to the Koigig Pod on the Off the Ball app now. Now you're very welcome back to the show. It's Richie here with you this evening and uh, joining us in studio this evening as well, I'm delighted to say, is uh, Sean Lander. Sean, you're very welcome uh, to the show because the issue of, of cycling safety and uh, all of that has been to the fore and particularly with yourself uh, in very, very tragic circumstances over the past uh, 12 months as well. Uh, May 27th of last year, Sean's partner, Gabriel Gladanita, uh, passed away after an accident on a back road while out cycling uh, with Sean. Um First of all, our heartily, heartiest condolences uh, to you. I uh, hope you're dealing with the, the situation and, and what happened um, last May uh, as best you can. And thank you so much for coming in, for, for sharing your story, which I know you've done uh, with a couple of our colleagues already. But um, give us a, a sense of, of Gabrielle and what kind of a, a person she was. How you, how you met, first of all, and how that relationship blossomed. Yeah, we actually met in a school. We were not to go into the same school together. Um, and... Yeah, we just basically started our relationship then. Um, we went to different colleges. She went to Trinity and she studied management science and information system studies. So she got that uh, through like a fantastic leave insert, um, 600 points. Wow. Um, yeah, she was a real, real brain box um, when it comes to academics. Um, and yeah, like we just we continued our relationship together. It was... Um, it was in COVID kind of when the lockdowns happened uh, in 2020 and she kind of picked up on, on a bit of cycling and initially just for pleasure. Um, and she kind of took part in some local uh, races that run here in Dublin with a group of women and she kind of progressed through the ranks of them and she basically just got bit by the cycling bug. Um, she went on then to compete at you know national level. She did races abroad, um, Belgium, Netherlands, and uh, she kind of progressed to be basically one of the top women in the country. And in 2022, she she you know she was a level above the way she was ever before. And she just you know she'd be the favorite going into most races. She'd be the one to watch, and a lot of the other girls would be looking at her um, to watch. She won some of the biggest races that we have here in the country, and she won. The overall series of so what's called the National Road Series, which is like a collection of the kind of most important races that are done out. Um, but yeah, she was a yeah she was look she was an amazing person, really like you know very talented both on the bike and off the bike. So she, she seemed to be something of a of a prodigy in pretty much everything she touched. Like you touched upon there, like six hundred points in the leaving, she was getting A's in English when English essentially was her her second language to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Like she was. I remember, like, because we would have been in the same year in school, like, and she would have been helping me with my leave insert English papers, you know what I mean? It's just funny like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, just even seeing the way her face lights up talking about her as well, it kind of speaks volumes of, of the esteem that she was she was held in. It was like you had gotten her involved with, with, with cycling. You were the, the one who uh, would have been out on the bike most days as well. Yeah, like, she kind of just saw me doing it when, you know, there was we were stuck in our kind of two kilometre lockdown and yeah. we were doing a lot of cycling and like you know the, the indoor cycling thing and uh, she saw me do it and she just wanted to give it a go and then it became a way for us to hang out as well then like you know we'd cycle together and yeah do do a training together yeah and that that's what you were doing on the on 27th of May of last year as well was, was, was cycling together yeah yeah it was yeah. I don't know how comfortable you are but speaking about the day and, and, and about the instance like if you want to stop by all means uh, you can always let me know, but like, 
uh, it seems to me that you were out. She was on ahead of you on the road, was it? And yeah, so I just uh, stopped for a moment on the side of the road, um, and she just went on ahead. Um, and yeah, like it was such a the harmless day, you know what I mean? It was just like it was actually one of the first like sunny days, really like kind of warm days of the year, um, and we were just out for a spin it was lunchtime Saturday lunchtime and um, yeah when I was catching back up with her um, I turned the corner and I just saw I saw her bike and it was you know crushed like I've never seen a bike broken in so many places Um, a car with a big dent in the front of it the windscreen was smashed and the kind of scary part of all of that was that she was nowhere to be seen and it's it's kind of like you know it's hard to even remember exactly what happened and you know even my memory of the whole event is sort of in pieces as well but like I just remember first of all thinking that like you know, this all oh, like there's been a bike crash. Like I've crashed myself. I've fallen off. I've been in r- crashes in races. She's been in crashes in races. She's been in cra- tra- crashes with traffic. And mm-hmm. you didn't really think anything, you know, of it. Like and in hindsight, when I, when I think back and I think of the state of the car and her bike, I think, well, how did I not know something more serious was happening? But I didn't. And I started calling for her name uh, because, as I said, her body was nowhere to be found. And um. I was just like looking for her and she actually was quite far away from the bike in the end and you know it was good 20-30 seconds of calling her name before I saw her and she was upside down in the ditch and you know her body in not a nice way you know twisted neck twisted she had quite serious wounds and I probably didn't even fully kind of comprehend how bad it was even at the time I just jumped in the ditch and I didn't even like at that point I didn't even think anything fatal had happened here and I just wanted to pick up her hand and and just tell her like oh everything's going to be okay you know but you know picked up her hand and it was just floppy you know I mean there was nothing there and I checked for a pulse on her wrist and no pulse and I checked for a pulse on her neck and no pulse and I just started doing CPR to her Um, I just started pumping her chest and you know kind of like the image of that will I mean like like I'm suffering a lot with PTSD of it and that image comes back and you know I can still picture the feeling of like the feeling of pumping her chest and um, just we I just didn't know what to do and I you know you're it's it's such a surreal moment to be in and it almost feels like it didn't even really happen like and then some people who pass by there's a couple of other cyclists and drivers that pass by while it was all while I was doing that and we were waiting for an ambulance and they got a defibrillator and so I I cut open her jersey, her cycling jersey, to stick the defibrillator patches on. But basically, 
all I revealed from cutting her jersey open was no, there was no skin there, and um, all you know, down to they all the top of her chest just ripped off, and there was nowhere to stick to the patch, you know, from all the skin. And I think it was at that point I just gave up, and I just fell down on the ground outside the ditch and just fell into a heap and mm. started just bawling, crying, and just screaming, and I don't know even what. I can't even remember that after that did did you call anybody at the time was there were the first people you reached out yeah I called my dad he came down um, the driver had called the ambulance um, so they were on their way and I called my dad and he came down and I mean like it's very hard for him also because like you know when you like we were together for seven and a half years and that's a long time for people our age. Like, I'm, we're, she was only 24. Like, and you know, she became like a daughter to my parents as well. Like, you know, and it's obviously very hard for him to be there and see what he saw and everything as well. And um, seeing me and the way I was, and it's just kind of like, what, what do you do then? Like, you know, what I mean, we just sat on the edge of the road and we were there for a while, and the guards were. I ask me just who she is and her name and address and all that stuff they have to do and um, then we we I I didn't want to tell anybody I didn't want to you know let anyone know until I'd broken the news to her parents um, because I think they deserve to know and I didn't want them hearing through some news article or through someone else and so we just the first thing we did was you just got in the car. I left my bike there um, and we drove up to her parents' house, which is like half an hour away and still in all like my cycling kit and I had Gabrielle's blood on my hands and arms and all down my legs as well and just knocked on the door and I uh, had to break the news to them as well that, you know, what happened and that's horrible. You know, and I even get flashbacks of that drive, having to do that drive and you know, you're about to ruin their lives with the news and, like, you know, it's, yeah, probably some of the hardest thing I had to do. And then I let, like, we would have shared a lot of friends, so I just let our close friends know what happened. And I think a lot of them were just in disbelief, you know, like we're we're all the same age, we're all <clears throat> in our early 20s. And it's just not something you ever think happens, your friend dying. And I think it was just so hard for all of her friends to digest and even having to call some of her best friends and tell them. And it's just, that was a really horrible time, those few days of just breaking the news. Um, but I guess a lot of support came my way as well and a lot of people reached out and that was really, really good to have that support. But yeah, it was a kind of crazy day, a few days. Of course. Did you have any interaction with the driver? Um, I not that I can recall. Mm. Um, it's all really a big blur. Um, I was just so focused on Gabrielle. I didn't. I I couldn't even recall what who passed by at this point. I was like, it's you're just tunnel vision, you know. Everything's instinct at that stage. Yeah, just yeah. Yeah, like as soon as you realised that she was dead, you did everything you could to to change that 
I mean, I could, you, there was nothing I could have done. Mm. But, no. The the days and weeks, obviously, that followed that, I imagine, uh, were were something of a of a of a blur for you. Has it affected how you um, approach cycling or think about cycling? Um, because it, like it's such a profound thing to happen to somebody that you're out with your partner and that something like that an accident can can occur uh, that that takes them away from you um like you you clearly think there's a, there's there's an attitudinal problem as regards there's not every driver but certainly the driver base as a whole and how they think about cyclists is is it fraught one at this stage yeah like to be honest like there's kind of always been a little bit of, you know, turn, turn and fro with cyclists and drivers on the roads. And I've been cycling for about 10 years now and there's always been a small bit of it, you know what I mean? And like, it's funny, like even 10 years ago, like sure, I was only teenager, like, and they're still getting abuse. Like it's, it's, it's funny, like, you know what I mean? But I think it's getting worse. It seems to be getting worse. And I would have said that before this accident. That's not just with kind of mm. clouded judgment now. Um, like, it's when it happens to me now, it sort of breaks my heart a little bit. It really gives me a horrible sinking feeling that, like, we can get hurdled abuse when we're doing such an innocent activity. And it's just, it seems to be that there's this huge divide between cyclists and drivers and drivers don't seem to identify themselves in the, the same way as say like I'm a cyclist but I also drive a car like I'm a driver and a cyclist and I'm a human you know underneath it all but they don't seem to see us as humans and it's I just think it it's a huge attitude issue really with drivers nowadays and you know I even I spent um, two weeks cycling abroad in uh, Gran Canaria Mm. and it was a completely different experience it was unbelievable the courtesy no one screaming at me swerving bumping and I put a, I put up a tweet that said uh, something along the lines of it's an attitude issue from drivers explaining that I just had a nice time in Gran Canaria and the irony of all that tweet was that the comments I got <laughs> replied to that were just confirmed what I thought that it was an attitude issue that really horrible comments um, the thing that seems to come back is from, from drivers will be that somehow it's the cyclists fault that they're taking up road space it almost seems like that's that's what it always comes across it's like oh, pesky cyclists etc etc and yet <laughs> like Dublin City Centre would be my main area of expertise in terms of where cyclists interact with the, the rest of the world and Somebody put up the other day on uh, online saying, "Has Dublin City Council ever met a cyclist?" Because the the provisions that are there for them in terms of cycle lanes, whether it's city centre, whether it's not, are poor to non-existent. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, like again, I've done a good bit of cycling in other countries: Belgium, Netherlands, France. Like it's a lot better infrastructure there for cycling. Mm. Like the cycle lanes are a lot better. Um, you know. Like, I think cyclists get a lot of bad rep for sometimes choosing to not use cycle lanes, but it's kind of the only people that would judge them for that are the people that have never actually ridden a bike on, on that particular cycle lane. Because if you, there's some ones that are built so poorly, it's actually more dangerous to ride in the bike lane than it is outside of it. 
and again I'll probably get a lot of people judge me for saying that but until you sit on a bike and sit in there with a 40 foot lorry beside you then you know what it's like you know what I mean sometimes it's more safe to you know assert yourself on the road and, and, and take up the space there but like for a lot of the time Dublin City is like much improved um, you know especially in the last I'd say five years like cycling through the city there's a lot more cycle lanes and they're a lot more more maintained so I think Dublin City I don't think is a huge issue really um, Is there enough done from a policing standpoint to protect cyclists? Um, interesting question uh, I guess they brought in the rule with the one and a half metres overtaken but I mean that's so hard to enforce isn't it you know to give cyclists one and a half metre space um, you know I've heard of many anecdotal stories of just you know people reporting things to the guards and the guards not really doing anything following up on it be it video evidence of close passing or aggression um, I don't know sometimes a lot of this thing is just dangerous overtaking too um, but yeah it's, it's I just wish that the attitude thing would drop you know and that we could all just like literally share the road and like the time that you held, are held up by a cyclist really isn't that long you know like it's you're never stuck behind a cyclist for minutes you know it's always seconds it's you know mm. it can be up to 20 seconds but that's about it and if you can give me 20 seconds and save my life I think that's worth it you know like if a, if a person goes into a coffee shop and there's a bit more of a queue than they thought they're not going to kick up a fuss and start throwing a tantrum and cutting people off in the coffee shop queue are they like and that could be an extra two minutes of their on their day you know but it's just when you're on the road it seems that we have to be so precise to the second of when we arrive to our destination and it really infuriates me that I'm just a 25 year old out trying to enjoy my bike you know what I mean it's my way of de-stressing if I have a busy day it's my thing it's you know some people in Ireland play GAA some people play soccer like this is my GAA you know what I mean and like I don't know why people can't give up 10 20 seconds of their day and sometimes it's not even any time they're held up just so I can have my sport you know at the end of the day it's a sport like Gabrielle was an athlete you know she was a top athlete her dedication to training and nutrition and everything was um you know top tier and it's just it's unbelievable that people when they're behind the wheel of a car don't seem to see that and just seem to think you're an inconvenience that you're going to delay their journey home by 10 seconds you know you said <clears throat> that the attitude towards like this has worsened in the last couple of years like how is what do you put that down to or how, how has that manifested itself I don't know um, I, maybe everyone's just a bit more stressed I don't know the answer to it like I just you know I can like you feel it like you're you're out with like people even I was out a few weeks ago with a couple of friends and we went to an area in Wicklow and we said we're actually just never going to go back there because the abuse and the dangerous driving the speeding the wrong side of the road the overtaking into other cars and having to squeeze us in which it was so nervous like you're almost shaking and you're just like that was a Sunday morning like I just don't understand why there was such an inconvenience with it like 
yeah, I don't know. People just seem to have hatred on cyclists because they see some of them breaking red lights and stuff in the city and I don't know why it's fueled then when you're there out in the country on a Sunday morning, but it does translate over to that. It's, yeah. How long did it take you to get back on a bike after Gabrielle's passing? I went out the next day because I knew if I didn't go out the next day, I'd never ever go out again. And I didn't enjoy the spin the next day. Sure. The irony of that spin was I went out with uh, one of my best friends and um, we were about half an hour into the spin and someone was overtaking a cyclist the other direction, came head on towards us. We had to stop or to brake to get out of the way. And the two of us were just, you know, in shock about that. And, you know, I started crying. He had, you know, he just, it was just, yeah, it, it's horrible. But I just, yeah, I got on the next day the day after and I just kept doing it um, because I just knew that if yeah if I, di- if I didn't do it I would have stopped and she wouldn't want me to stop and it's my thing you know and if I didn't do it it's my outlet you know what I mean and I don't know where I'd be but it's been definitely tough um, the last few months particularly have been really tough I think maybe a little the initial shock has stopped and it's kind of set in and I am very nervous on the roads but and it doesn't help when, you know, you get close past and you have people like just overtaking you and just turn left in in front of you and all these things that that happen. But I guess it's the aggression that's the scariest part. It's scary knowing that that level of aggression is behind of a vehicle which can kill you, a weapon. People are driving a weapon and with that level of aggression, that's scary. It comes at you physically and, and kind of verbally, I think, as well, with, with the way cyclists are kind of... Um, abused by motorists on occasion yeah it's quite often verbal yeah like it's you know and especially like the scariest place for a cyclist is reading the comment section online and I would say this is going to be no different you know and when you see that these people are writing these things online with these views you know any RSA post that's been done about cycling safety you go into the comment section and read it and imagine as a cyclist you're reading this it's a very scary place knowing that people have these views are also the people behind the wheel of cars that are overtaking you and sharing the road with you you know it's very scary like you know the way I kind of like to think about it is like if you know with self-driving cars when one day hopefully there'll be self-driving cars everywhere and there'll be no humans driving cyclists will stop dying and that's the truth but if you did it the other way around and you had self-cycling cyclists, they'd still be knocked off their bike. And then that, to me, shows you where the problem is. Are you being taken care of since then? Like, I know it's probably a bit of a, a personal question, but like, are you seeing counsellors? Are you being looked after in that respect? Or are you yeah. just basically playing your own for all? Multiple counsellors. Yeah. Medical support. A bit of, yeah. Friends and family. Women. There's two... Uh, ways that I'm suffering like I've you know the whole PTSD hallucinations real vivid hallucinations flashbacks just heightened sense of anxiety panic attacks sleepless nights that sort of stuff which I'm seeking help for but then also if Gabrielle died in her sleep I mean she's a person I love you know what I mean and we had a future plan together we we talked about what we'd do, all the plans we had. You know, I like the loss, her, the, her losses. I think 
losing your partner is the worst person you can lose. They're an extension of yourself, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, yeah, like I, as I said, if she just passed away in her sleep peacefully, I'd be in a really bad way at the moment. So yeah. when you combine the two of those things, yeah. How are her family doing? They're okay. I mean, as good as you can be. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they're just, it's, they're finding it more difficult. And as I am, as the time goes on, you know, like you, you look at the funeral and stuff and you think like now the weeks after it and like, you think that's the worst it can be. Like, like I was 24 shouldering my partner's coffin, you know, and the funeral was, there was almost something eerie about so many young people in a funeral. I've never seen anything like it, just full of young people. Mm. And like all that time passes, you know, you think maybe it gets easier, but it just doesn't. You're just really left with that void in your life. And they're feeling the same as me that it's just, I know they found Christmas really, really tough and New Year really tough and it's having a huge burden on them. Um, yeah. If you had like a, a parting message for us this evening for, for motorists in particular and how they relate uh, to cyclists, what would that be? I don't know. I just, I just wish that people would view cyclists as more human because that's all we are. We're all just humans and you wouldn't give that the same level of aggression that I get on the roads and that all the cyclists who are listening will agree with me get on the roads. You wouldn't just give that to people you're passing by on the street and just be patient, you know, be courteous. As like I said, you don't go down into a coffee shop kicking the place down shouting, you know, cutting in front of people in the line because there's an extra long queue. And it's the same thing, like 10 seconds, 20 seconds onto your journey won't won't kill you, but it could kill me. So, yeah. As regards your future, you're then going down the medical professional route yourself, I believe? Yeah, I'm studying physiotherapy, so I'm on hospital placement at the moment, so I don't know if you can tell, but I'm quite tired after that yeah. <laughs> have, they, have they already got you working the mental area yeah well yeah. it's not too bad but yeah. just getting through it I mean it hasn't been easy going back to do that either but um, UCD offers some good supports for just for me and yeah, yeah just getting through it um, the strength that it would take for you to get back on a bike I can't even begin to fathom the strength it would take for you to continue on uh, living uh, in a post-Gabriel world is um, just utterly remarkable and I wish you every continued bit of strength that you can possibly muster and summon and uh, gain from anybody else around you as well and um, hopefully if this does anything it kind of opens people's eyes I think to um, the way cyclists are viewed by some people out there on the roads and, and, and the dangers that can await them out there as well um, Sean thank you so so much for coming in and sharing your story and sharing Gabriel's story and Stephen. No, thank you very much I think it's important message so thank you